We come to hear the stories of other people who lived so long ago. We come to hear the stories that are also about us today in this place. Lord, give us ears to listen, eyes to see, and hearts to accept. Spirit, fall in this place and stir us to life in you. Amen. Our scripture reading for today is Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. When Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound from heaven like the howling of a fierce wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered. They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. They were surprised and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all the people who are speaking Galileans, every one of them? How then can each of us hear them speaking in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Alamites, as well as the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and the regions of Libya bordering Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the mighty works of God in our own languages. They were all surprised and bewildered. Some asked each other, what does this mean? Others jeered at them, saying, they're full of new wine. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Hola. Bonjour. Kamsahamnida. It's Korean. <laughs> How does one talk about the Holy Spirit in 10 minutes? Uh, it, is, it is impossible. So I'm just going to pray and we'll be done. Uh, because the, the task is impossible, right? There are whole semesters dedicated to pneumatology, as we call it in seminary. Uh, the sophisticated folk like to call it that. Um, there's whole books written on the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to cover in 10 minutes, so we'll just do our best to cover snippets of it. And I can't quite remember the day when I really came to believe in the Holy Spirit, which is a weird thing to talk about, because to talk about the Holy Spirit is to talk about God. You can't really distinguish, kind of, the, the, it's difficult to distinguish them. We can talk about the individual persons of the Trinity, uh, but to talk about the Holy Spirit, that's to talk about God. Right? When we talk about Jesus, we, we talk about God. When you talk about God, you, you talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's sort of how the Trinity works, right? Theologians are awful at math, but that's just how it sort of functions. And it's difficult to tease it out and talk about the Holy Spirit, but it can be helpful to talk about the person of the Spirit. Because we grow up with this idea of the Father, right? We grow, some of us grow up with this idea of Jesus on the, the flannel board. Any of you remember flannel boards in Sunday school? I certainly do. Jesus was wearing that white robe, always walking around, always healing people. I remember that. I don't really recall, like, the Holy Spirit image, though. Like, is it a bird? And like a dove? Is it like just a piece of fire? Like it's so difficult, right? Because we grew up with this image of God. We grew up with this image of Jesus. And then we also talk about the Holy Spirit. But we don't have a whole functioning idea, generally, of what we mean when we talk about the Holy Spirit. 
I remember when I was struggling with this concept, I had just come out of a New Testament class in my undergrad on the book of Acts in the Bible. And the book of Acts uh, is interesting <laughs> because there's a bunch of stuff that happens that defies explanation and categories. Um, we read about these, these tongues of fire coming and resting on the heads of people. These speaking in tongues. Y'all, whatever that means, it's nonsense, it's crazy. There's miraculous healings. Um, again, crazy, nonsense. Uh, the empowered community, of, the, the community feels empowered to do things that all of society says you, you don't do. Right? It says that they all shared everything in common and they had want for nothing. It's like people let each other borrow their like lawnmowers, they let them borrow their like television, their like Netflix subscription, everything. They just like gave it all out to free to the community of believers and no one wanted for anything. That's insane. Because say we say you should like charge your friend a portion of that to use the lawnmower, they should at least fill up the gas tank, make them pay for the gas, you know. But no, they just gave it away. It was free. The Holy Spirit was empowering the early church to do things that are insane. If I ever write a commentary on the book of Acts, and I get to like chapter 2 when it says all this stuff, I'm just going to go, nonsense. And I'll just go to the next chapter. You can't explain it. It just doesn't make any sense. It's crazy. It's crazy talk. There's the exorcism of demons. Like, where does that fit in Josh's worldview? I don't know. Like, what do you do with that material? Right? What do you do with that? What do you do with this idea that people can speak in tongues and understand each other in their native language? That's crazy talk. Really. It just doesn't work. How does this stuff happen? How does it happen? So I began wrestling with this question, you know, thinking about maybe, maybe God's Holy Spirit came down early and like kind of jump-started the church and said, all right, guys, get, get going, and you can sort of, here's my spirit, you can do that. But if you read the scriptures, that's not the case. Like, the Holy Spirit's still active, alive, and moving. Jesus sent the Spirit not just to the disciples, but to, to all of the church, and we are the church. We should expect the Spirit to be among us. So I began asking myself this question as I read through the stuff on, like, demons, on tongues, on healings, and I changed it, right? I had to write this paper, so I changed it from a scholastic question to a personal question. And I just asked myself, I said, Josh, do, do I believe in miracles? I, do, do you believe in miracles? Because if you do not, then I don't know if you believe in the Holy Spirit. But if you do, then some weird stuff is going to happen <laughs> that you cannot explain and is difficult to fit into our concepts of reality. Because in our text we heard um, this interesting thing happens, right? The Holy Spirit comes down, they all start talking in tongues, and then what do they do immediately after that? The people who see this happen, they just rationalize. They say, oh, I can explain that. They must be drunk. Right? So they have a system of categorization for the Holy Spirit, and it's called drunkenness. Uh, when, the, when things happen and it's strange and it's weird, you can't explain it, they must be drunk. Right? But this is exactly how the Holy Spirit works. It defies, it bucks against our categories. It sort of says, you cannot put me in a box. You cannot say, I work like X, Y, and Z. Yes, I do certain things, but as soon as you think you've got it figured out, the Holy Spirit acts in an entirely different way. Do I believe in miracles? 
that will shift and change our interaction as a people of God. I had a friend uh, who, he told me this story, and at first, right, it's something that you want to rationalize away. <laughs> it's something you want to say, it fits in this category. It's very interesting. He's one of those um, Christians who believe in the Holy Spirit. Uh, those people are strange. And we were sitting there having lunch at Chick-fil-A, and he said, I'll tell you the story about my wife. And uh, she had uterine cancer, and she went to go get diagnosed, and it was, it was bad. Um, and y'all, we live, I don't know if you know this, uh, but we live just south of Houston, right? And uh, in Houston is the Med Center. It is the largest medical center in the world. Not the United States, not like on three con- It's the largest medical center in the world. It has some of the best doctors in the world. Like the odds of someone like kind of messing it up in the Med Center are slim to none. The odds of like reading a, a simple blood test wrong, slim to none. It's not going to, like, the med center is top-notch material. So he went there with his wife, right, and they had the scan, and yes, it was, it was cancer. They scheduled the biopsy, and they came back in, and they were going to do the biopsy. They did the scan, and they couldn't find the cancer. And he's telling me this story, and maybe people have heard similar stories, and I just go, okay. <laughs> like, I'm listening to him, but I cannot put this in my, in my realm of understanding the world. It does not fit. And so he's sitting there with this doctor, and the doctor went to some fancy school called like Vanderbilt or something, I don't even know. And he's sitting there, and the doctor goes, um, like, your, your cancer's gone. Like, I, I, can't, it's, I can't find it. It's not here. And my friend's sitting there sort of with, you know, I don't know, he's sitting there, he's just he's smiling. And he goes, I, I know what happened. Doctor says, oh, you do, do you? You went to med school, you can tell me about this. Like, you know what happened? He goes, yeah, I, I, think, I think God works miracles still. And the doctor was like, um, okay, uh, so we'll see you back in a year. You know, they scheduled the follow-up, which is a good thing to do. But it's amazing, right? When you, if you believe in miracles, if you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to do things that you cannot classify in a neat little box, it's going to mess with your concepts of reality. It shook me to my core, because you have to ask yourself, do you believe in miracles? And if you say yes, then that is scary. Because we like to keep the Holy Spirit sort of in our pockets. We like to sort of control our God. We have uh, theologies around our God, around our Jesus, and around our Holy Spirit. We say you have to act this way. And as soon as something happens and we say, I can't explain it, we get kind of freaked out. (laughs) But that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And the temptation is for us to keep it sort of boxed in. I think what we're being called to do is to open that up and to open ourselves up to God and say, God, will you come and move in my life? Will you come and and shake me and change me and move me so that you can do things that I cannot do? Because this uh, is something that we struggle with, is defining exactly what the Holy Spirit does. So I think it's helpful to nail down a couple things on what the Scripture uh, tells us that that the Holy Spirit is responsible for. The first is that the Holy Spirit co-participates with us. It speaks on our behalf. Romans says the Spirit moans for us. I think that's powerful. I can't tell you the number of times I've been in conversation with people, and I don't know what to say. Right? What do you say when someone says, I, I, think, I think they're dying, what, what do I do? And you say, I don't, I don't know. What do you do? 
you're present in that moment, and you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. The Holy Spirit moans for us. It groans on our behalf. It gives us words when words fail. The Holy Spirit counsels us. It encourages us, convicts us, and changes us. I don't want to talk about that a whole lot. It'll come back next week. Uh, Paul Myler is going to be preaching on Pentecost 2.0. And uh, he'll be sharing a little bit about kind of what the Holy Spirit does as the paraclete, as the helper. So hear me that it counsels us. It encourages us. It convicts us. And this last part, it, it changes us. Right? It's not my job as a, as a pastor, as a preacher, to sort of change behavior. I cannot do that. Y'all, I cannot even change my own behavior. I, uh, I have some really bad habits. I'm a, I'm a nail biter. I've been trying for years to break the habit of nail biting. No matter how much grit, determination, kind of gumption I put into it, I can't. I can't fix it. I can't do it. I'll tell you that by nature, I'm a very selfish person. But over time, God has worked on my heart. The Holy Spirit has changed who I am as a person. All of a sudden, different things come boiling up out of my life. They sort of bubble up in me, and I don't know what to do with those things. And so they overflow into the community. And we call those the fruit of the Spirit. And they are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that exhibit in the life of people who open themselves up to the Spirit. So as we open ourselves up to God moving in us, it's not us. We don't change ourselves. We don't reach down by the bootstraps and pull us up and say, I can do it. No, it's God saying, will you let me do it in you? Will you let me work a miracle in your life? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And all we have to do is get out of the way. But oftentimes it frightens us because when the Holy Spirit shows up, we don't know what to do with that experience. It defies sort of our, our constructs of reality and how we handle things. So pastors will like to end a lot of sermons, a lot of homilies. They like to end this with sort of questions. They'll say things like, can you imagine what would happen if we allowed the Holy Spirit to show up in this place? Can you wonder what it might be like for the Holy Spirit to work in our, in our homes and in our lives and in, in, our, in our churches? That's usually what, you know, Pastor Peter and I might do. It's sort of what we're taught to do, how to, how to end sermons. That's how you land the plane. Um, I don't want to do that today because I think we know what would happen if the Holy Spirit showed up. I think we're afraid of what might happen if the Holy Spirit showed up. We would see revival in ways that we cannot even categorize. We would see people freed from the bonds of addiction in ways that you cannot understand. We would see people come to life in Christ that defies all church growth models. We see people alive in God in brand new, fantastic, phenomenal ways. If only we would get out of the way and allow God to move and in this place, in our lives and in our communities. And so my prayer is that it would be so. And so come, Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do in this place and in our lives. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
Amen.